This is Breakfast with Ben's podcast on the Fans First Network brought to you by Gerger Construction. It's not too soon to start planning your dream deck. They build decks year-round, and they're booking into spring and summer 2024. Gerger Construction is a small burg business specializing in decks, pergolas, railings, and fencing. Fully insured, licensed, and now offering financing options. Go to GergerConstruction.com to get your free project estimate or to schedule your deck safety inspection today. It's another podcast here on the Fans First Network at Trib Live. Breakfast with the Benz, Tim Benz, and Joe Rudder, beat writer, covering the Pittsburgh Steelers for us at the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. We are here on the south side, and we are working even if the Steelers are not. They get the weekend off. Joe and I are still writing about the Steelers, along with Chris Adamski, just about every day, and we'll continue to do so throughout the season. Even though there's no game this weekend, there will be a game next weekend against the L.A. Rams on the road. Um, let's start there, Joe, kind of then go backwards because it just stuck in my head. The last question that was asked of any of the coaches, we rarely get a chance to talk to the assistant coaches, the position coaches. We get the coordinators every week. But the last question that I heard was um, one that was fired at Pat Meyer about trying to figure out how to stop Aaron Donald, which, oh, yeah, that's on the radar, huh? Yeah, we got to put that. We got to put that as something that the offensive line needs to accomplish between now and next Sunday is figure out a way to slow him down. Well, I will say this, he wasn't very active against the Eagles. I think he only had one solo tackle against the Eagles. Now, the Steelers have all the Eagles offensive linemen that they didn't keep, like Herbig, who went to the Jets and then eventually the Steelers, and Siamalu, of course, came here in free agency. Um, with the offensive line, that's maybe a good place for us to start, whether it's blocking him or getting the run game going in general. Their play, I thought, started to improve in week four or five last year. I actually think they started to round into form a little bit after the first month. Like, they were okay going into the bye and then got better out of the bye. Other aspects of the team got better in the bye. But where's the offensive line right now? I don't think it's where it was after month one last year. No, I think they're a little bit behind that. And I don't know if it's the fact that they've got a new piece in Isaac Simalu and it's taking a while for him to get going, or if just some of the other guys haven't been playing up to expectations or injuries. But, yeah, I, I think they're a little bit behind where they were last year. Um, you know, maybe this bye comes at a good time for them to kind of recalibrate some things. Um, and, again, you know, he mentioned Pat Meyer to talk about, you know, ways to slow down Aaron Donald. And, and it kind of makes you forget they got through that run early in the season with Bosa, Crosby, and Miles Garrett, and then you've had a little lull there the last couple weeks, and now all of a sudden, oh yeah, maybe the greatest of all time is the next on the list. So yeah, that's another thing they've got to watch out for, but they've also got to get this running game fixed, and I think that right now is occupying most of their attention. Deontay Johnson coming back, how much does that help the pass game? I think we realized how thin they are at wide receiver once he went out, yes, because definitely. It's not just his absence, it's who, who has to play more. Robinson going from three to two, Austin going from four to three, Gunner being out there at all. You know, like these, these are things that are problematic for the Steelers when one of their top two guys at wideout goes down. Yeah, and, you know, with Johnson being so, you know, such a key player in the short passing game, taking those short routes and then just, you know, getting yards after the catch, the fact that, uh, you know, they didn't have him available for that, I think put a put a crimp on a lot of the other guys. And like you said, you know, that knocked the dominoes up a little bit instead of the other way. And yeah, they, they desperately need him out there. I think that makes Kenny Pickett a lot better. I think his decision making gets a lot better. You know, now you know, the defense have to choose which of these two guys, him or Johnson or Pickens, is going to get most of the double coverage. Um, 
Uh, you know, that, and that kind of frees things up for the way they wanted to be, you know, when they, when they, you know, put this thing all together in preseason. And, uh, yeah, you know, as Deontay Johnson said yesterday, hell yeah, he's going to be back. He's going to be ready. He think he's pretty sure he's going to be a hundred percent. And the Steelers definitely need that if they're going to get this offense going. Yeah. Especially because I don't think they have a lot of vision when it comes to figuring out ways to get anything out of the tight end position in the pass game without Fryermuth. Like, Whatever they get, if they get anything from Hayward or Washington in the receiving game, it feels like gravy at this point. Yeah, they and as you saw the last game, they didn't get much out of the tight end group. I mean, Connor Hayward had a few short receptions. Uh, I'm not even sure what. I know mean, Washington had the one catch the previous game. I'm not even sure how much he was involved in the passing game. Um, yeah, it just you know they need to get Fryermuth back. But until they do, really, you're going to focus on Johnson. You're going to focus on Pickett. Uh, you know, maybe Calvin Austin is your third guy. I think you know he's better suited in that also ran type of role right now than one of your top two receivers. And uh, you know, I, I think that'll that'll help everything. And you won't be so reliant on the tight ends. Joe Rudder with me. It is our weekly podcast here from the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on the South Side. No Mike Tomlin press conference. That's why you didn't hear from us on Tuesday. We did get the assistant coaches this week, the only time we get to talk to them all year long. Now, the coordinators we do speak with, Matt Canada talked again today. And Joe, Kenny Pickett's always had the flexibility and the availability to change any play he's ever wanted in his whole damn life. You know, like that's, that's the way this is being painted out. There's nothing to see here. There's nothing new here. I, I think that He's probably been allowed more than he's done it. And I think because he's not Ben, and he do, probably doesn't have Ben's 17 years of confidence, swagger, and ego, um, he doesn't use that arrow in his quiver as much as Roethlisberger did to change plays or check into other plays. Frankly, I think that would help the offense because as good or as bad of a play designer and play caller as Matt Canada might be, the quarterback has the final authority once he's there to see something and get out of it exactly. and get into something else. Yeah, exactly. He's the one on the field. He's the one scanning the defense. He's the one that sees the weakness at one spot or the extra coverage on the player he's supposed to go to. So, yeah, if Kenny Pickett comes out of the huddle and sees that zero coverage, you know, he, he better make those adjustments. You know, And if I'm the coordinator, I want him to make those adjustments. I want him to call for the max protection and, and know that whatever, you know, maybe they have a hand signal, maybe it's a nod or a wink to George Pickens, like, hey, it's coming to you. Um, you know, he's got to be able to do that. And, uh, you know, if that's something the coordinator doesn't want, then I don't think he's doing his job to the best of his ability and to help everybody out in that situation. I'm not saying Matt Canada is doing that or not doing that, but I think you want to give your quarterback the freedom to make such changes in those moments because he is the one that's down there and seeing everything in front of him. Talk to Eddie Faulkner at all today? Uh, briefly. Bu- the buzz? Briefly. We talked to him briefly. Um, just that, you know, mostly about, you know, trying to get both of them going, both Warren and Najee going at the same time. So you're kind of not getting just one spark from, you know, like, say, Harris in the third quarter against Houston. Jalen Warren in the third quarter, again, or I guess fourth against the Ravens. Um, you know how to try to get both of them kind of humming, so you're like you were in the second half of last year, or even that Baltimore game last year when I think Najee rushed for over 100 and Jalen Warren rushed for 70 some yards down there in Baltimore um, when they had everything going that way. I, I you know, I think that that's the one thing they're still trying to do is find that synchronicity between those two backs defensively. On Tuesday, when we talked to defensive assistants, my big takeaway is they're still playing the slow rollout with Joey Porter Jr., and I don't understand why. Yeah, I don't really understand either. They're all, all parties involved pretty much came out and said, yeah, he's doing good, but 
um, to me, what he did there in the fourth quarter should have removed any butts. And, you know, you look at the passing numbers of guys like Leli Wallace and Patrick Peterson have given up the completion percentages, the yardage, that I would think that automatically screams that you have a press corner out there in Joey Porter and you allow him to go out there and make some mistakes and, and do what he's doing right now and then you figure a way to get these other guys involved. You saw some of that against the, the Ravens when they took Wallace off for one series then Peterson out for a couple. I, I think they've just got to They've got to figure out a way to do that and get him out there and live with any of the you know, so-called mistakes that they're seeing him make. The tackling on the edge is the befuddling part to me because we keep hearing this undercurrent and suggestion that you know they're worried about the tackling with Porter, but the tackling has been the biggest problem with Wallace and Peterson. Like, what, what Porter's going to be worse than that? <laughs> well, I'll be the I mean, first. like, if, if he's if he's just as bad as that, then they're still going to get better coverage. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll be the first to say too that I, I've seen Joey Porter whiff on some. Bad, he has, yeah, whiff well, on so some bad they. tackles. Yeah, um, maybe the ones he's done has stood out more than what I've seen from the other two. But yeah, that is an issue, and they all have to tackle better out there. Um, you know, and I, I think the inside linebackers are doing a better job of keeping the, the ball in front of them, um, being better in pass coverage, so it's not getting behind them, and you're having to rely on your cornerbacks and safeties to do that. But then again, you look and Minka Fitzpatrick is still leading the team in tackles, which you know. Again, you need it from better from everywhere, but you really hope your cornerbacks, not that you want to see them tackling a lot because you don't want to see the ball completed to their receivers, but, uh, yeah, they've got to do better. T.J. Watt's finger, um, I know it was presented as not much. His injury was not to be all that concerned about. And then you see these reports coming out from two different guys of the NFL Network, Tom Pellicero and Ian Rappaport, that, one, it was dislocated and had ligaments torn, and two, it may need surgery in the offseason if it doesn't heal on its own. And I'm wondering, so is, is this not a big deal, like his knee injury was not a big deal last year when he eventually did have to have it cleaned up and he admitted that it did nag at him in the second half of the season? And, you know, he uh, when he was down with the pec injury, we were supposed to think it was just about the pec and maybe it was about the knee too. Like we found this stuff all out afterwards after we told when Hawkinson hit his knee, it was no big deal. Like I wonder if this yeah. – because he's so good with his hands. You know, that's a big weapon of his to disengage from blocks and that swim move and the – I wanted to see a 10 healthy digits and not nine and one that really hurts bad, you know? Yeah, and, and, you know, really the only way to heal that or get that better is to, you know, buddy tape it to another finger and, you know, maybe make his hand look like a club. And I'm not sure that's the most effective way. Oh, he'd love that because he likes to punch people as it is. <laughs> yeah, but as far as scooping up a ball or things like that or making an interception might make it a little more difficult. So, yeah, it could be a concern. Um you know, I, I, I think it's better news than if it was another body part like a knee or a peck again. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, I would expect T.J. Watt to play through something like that. That's the type of player he is. But we'll have to monitor it and see because that could be some kind of hindrance coming down the road. And maybe it limits his snaps a little bit. Joe Rudder, Tim Benz, uh, we're not going anywhere this weekend. Joe will be. You'll be in L.A., right? You get to go out to SoFi next week? Yes, I get to go out there a second time. Uh, Last time I was there, um, that was the Charger game when they mounted that comeback in the fourth quarter and fell short. And it was the game noted for our colleague Mark Caboli mm. tearing his Achilles. Yes, <laughs> right. We've seen a couple big Achilles injuries. Aaron Rodgers, J.K. Dobbins, but I don't think any 
time have we seen an Achilles injury ripple through the NFL community like that one did? <laughs> exactly. And then, of course, it happened to his other leg down at the right. Senior Bowl. So, you know. In a weird way, I do think we've heard less about Aaron Rodgers' Achilles than we have about Cabole's. Yes, I think that, that is true. Yeah. Uh, you know, the most talked, you know, I, and I would say it's the most talked about Achilles in NFL history, you know. Sorry, Aaron, but you got to take backseat on. I would I would go so far as to say it's the most talked about Achilles since Achilles. But true, because when have you really heard of anybody else really talking about an Achilles injury? <laughs> I can't say that I have. At least on the baseball beat, I don't remember anybody having an Achilles injury. Kendall hurt his Achilles <laughs> when he tore it. Well, his... dislocated ankle, so maybe the Achilles was a part of that. I mean, I don't think there was anything left of his ankle, so the That's Achilles true. probably was uh, shattered as well. Yeah, Caboli will tell you that his is worse. All right, uh, that'll do it for us. We're back next week after Mike Tomlin's press conference in advance of the Rams game.